Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. What's up, this your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Inside the Studio on iHeartRadio. My name's Jordan Runtog, but enough about me. My guests today are members of one of Australia's biggest bands. They've slowly but surely mounted their musical assault on this hemisphere with the help of two stellar records, 2015's The Positions and 2017's Go Farther in Lightness. Their latest album, Angel in Real Time, is the result of nearly five years of intense workshopping, numerous false starts, a serious case of writer's block, and one immense personal loss. It's a monument to frontman Dave Leopepe's late father, who died of cancer in 2018. The song cycle finds him coming to terms with the life milestone and contemplating the loneliness of his passing, juxtaposed with the comfort and peace that often comes when a loved one transcends this reality and into another. To paraphrase the group's own description, Angel in Real Time is a meditation on the meaning of death, grief, and God, and also a nod to the London neighborhood of Angel that served as the band's home base. It's also a celebration of Dave's own Samoan heritage. The record is packed with references and recordings of indigenous music of the South Pacific, in addition to sounds of modern classical, English drum and bass, and American folk. Angel in Real Time is a highly ambitious work of creative and personal growth, and it was well worth the wait. I'm so happy to welcome Dave Leopepe and Max Dunn of Gang of Youths. I hope you enjoy our conversation. To, to kick it off, I mean, I, I just want to offer you guys a, a well-deserved congratulations and thank you for Angel in Real Time. I mean, I know you've been working on it for, for several years now, and I, I think I'm right in saying you recorded it three different versions of it. I mean, how did you know it was done? How did you know you had it where you wanted it finally? Uh, it was done when the label said, all right, because May, <laughs> May, major label deadline. <laughs> That's the honest answer. So, so you're first for Warners, right? Yeah, so... Yeah, yeah, it's it's um it's weird. Like our experience with major labels is, is kind of more synonymous with how they experienced it probably in the nineties when they had oodles of money and credit cards, and credit cards for like cartel uh, wrought cocaine, um, <laughs> like that kind of thing. Like, but they've been really permissive with us and really, really uh, even tempered and, and cool with us, you know, uh, which is you know not the stereotype of most major labels. Um, and honestly, we stay out of their business; they stay out of ours. The Warner team here in the UK um, are unbelievable. The American team are really, really, really great. Super supportive and unbelievable as well. So we, it's been kind of like that. But they were like, listen, it's been two fucking years. Stop pissing around. Get it done. Um, so that's kind of what we had to know. And I think there was this innate and our sense wives of like, as well. 
Yeah, no, wives, yeah, because Max had a Max had a kid and you know it's the whole thing. But um the, I, I think it was just like a tacit <laughs> understanding that we had said everything that we wanted to say in the best way uh possible and it was and it was beautiful. We all found it beautiful. We keep fucking using this word today, don't we, Mox? It's this yeah. idea of um something that felt uh beautiful and I was saying before and I'll say it now um this is the first time in my career I felt um that I don't absolutely hate something. Just hate it a little bit. This is a fucking miracle for me. But Mox likes it. Hey, but I think it's I think it's stunning, man. Like I think you know, because we made so much bad shit. Well not even bad, but just non right shit that uh it, it really does feel like um really cool. And it was like so free and um oh, it was fucking hard. Like obviously we were going insane at certain, certain points um of like two years during lockdown in a room. Um but I just mean it was like it was yeah, everything that you know Dave's probably wanted in terms of influences in the past that had been too weird or too like whatever and you know we were able to throw ourselves into that and um all, all our different backgrounds and kind of just come up with something really beautiful and weird and like that felt like it was the right thing for who we are now which is really cool yeah. i feel like yeah. day feels you don't yeah you, know. you only know you only you only know when you've arrived when you arrive like it was sort of you just got there and it got to the last track being done kind of the scaffolding of it and i think we just kind of paused and said i think we're about nearly nearly there all we need is um some lyrics <laughs> um I can so lyrics, that, that, yeah and it was interesting because like at the the at the outset of the of the whole fucking album right when we first started work well, when i first started working on 2017 i knew it would be a title title pain um to get done it would be a lot of late nights a lot of travel a lot of money spent uh, to get the sound that we wanted, the size of the um, of the string ensemble that we wanted, um, you know, to pay um, the musicians correctly, um, to to appropriately distribute uh, royalties uh, to the rights holders of not only the recordings of the samples that we've used by David Fanshawe, but also the people who performed that, trying to find ways. So we we understood there would be a lot that went into it. So I think once that stuff was kind of ironed out. Um, and we got, we got a sense of um, what the album was going to sound like mix-wise because we actually started mixing some of these songs before vocals were even on it um, because I hadn't finished the lyrics for some things. Some things had lyrics for eons of decades and other things just took a really long time. So it was basically when the lyrics were done, okay, the album's done. Do you know what I mean? Our mate um, Count is it. Uh, and also Peter Cadis, who we can't forget, who was just fucking amazing. He mixed um, Return of Unison. But um, like people really, really worked against the clock on it. So the way I then, especially Count, who did so much work, uh, massive, massive, massive gratitude. Yeah, huge debt. On the tracks where you had the uh, the instrumental arrangements done, but working on the lyrics, did you know what you wanted to say in those songs? Or was it a case of sitting down and working out how to articulate it, or did you sit with the instrumental tracks and just think, "Where does this take me right now? Where what is you know what is it that uh, this music uh, makes me feel?" That's a good, good question. It was column A and column B. Yeah. I always have a, a, a title of a song before I have lyrics, um, and the title was just a placeholder that sparks some emotion related to the, the song for me or, or a concept or feeling. Um, for the most part, man, um, it kind of works in different ways depending on the song. Uh, if I'm, if, if I have a, it, it always starts with a melody for me, weirdly. Um, on, on this one, it was, it was all melodic uh, and finding phrasing and words that fit that and then a mood to fit the phrasing and words uh, and then trying to um, trying to carve out a shape of uh, or a contour of the themes or whatever. I'm not someone who just kind of could just put on, put out words. There's always a central nervous system, like a like a centrifugal motion that exists on at the nucleus of every song or whatever that propels it, that gives it meaning and value to me, that makes me not want to fucking die every time we have to perform the motherfucker. Do you know what I mean? So uh, finding that meaning was the hard was the hard basket. Do you know what I mean? And um, for some songs like uh, The Kingdom Is Within You or um, You and Everything, the meaning 
approach, many of the lyrics, they were kind of already there. Um, or, I, or I had a tacit understanding um, of where that song was going to go. Whereas like with Forbearance, I had an inkling of what I wanted the song to sound like, but kind of changed and shifted. And then it went back around to being what it was about. Does that make sense? So it just kind of depends on what song. And I think Forbearance always had a strong melodic component that tied me to emotions around that, that were kind of like, you know, synonymous with those melodies. Um, it kind of just fed itself, I think. You know what I mean? But that was a completed instrumental fucking almost a year ago, which is wild. Wow. I think I read, and I don't, I don't know, maybe I misunderstood this, that the, the project began with the album's title. Did that, well, I guess, question one, is that true? And question two, how did that kind of serve as sort of the, uh, you know, your, your, your lodestar, your, 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 you know, your guide throughout this? Um, I mean, Max, you remember this, but I actually started working on this album in 2017 where we was living, in, we just moved to London. Um, I started working on the industry. Yeah. Jordan lived in um in Islington, Dave. So he, oh, like, did you, mate? He, right on Pentonville, Pentonville and Caledonian. <laughs> oh, so that makes you an Arsenal <laughs> fan. We can forgive you for that. So, um, um, Pentonville and Caledonian. So that was right near where we were, mate. Like, I can't even express to you how meaningful that neighbourhood is because we used to live in Holloway, um, on Caledonia Road. Uh, what was our street? Corporation uh, Street, just near Cal- Cali Road Station. So that was actually where I wrote. The Angel by Third News, where I started working on, um, that's where I started working on, um, like what turned into Unison, uh, Tend the Garden, a little bit, little bits here and there. Um, there's just a lot of stuff I started working on there. And I, I kind of, I kind of had this vision of like, because I knew my dad wasn't well and he was sick. I knew that one day I'd, I'd have to confront the realities of my, my heritage and his upbringing. And I was like thinking about integrating some of that stuff but i knew i wanted to use samples do you know what i mean and so mm. i feel like that was the genesis of where it started angel real time however tied everything into a cohesive whole for me and i came up with that album name in 2018 maxi i was walking around angel the day that we found the house we all lived in and uh it's always how it's been with you like like yeah. every album we've ever there's a title. made there's a name a name before I remember being told like, "Oh, we're gonna, we should make go farther and lighten this now," and being like, "Okay, okay, like, whatever the fuck that means," you know, at the time. Um, <laughs> which is a cool trait, man. It's like it's cool to have like a north star it's, as like a dude in a band. Like, it's, well, yeah, it's it's weird because I always think of um, I, I always think of like, it's gonna sound like the most fucking pretentious bullshit ever, but Thomas Pynchon in um, Gravity's Rainbow, there's that thing about. Um, you never did the Kenosha Kid, and there's like six thousand different. And I used to follow a Twitter account years ago that auto that auto um, produces different grammatical variations of "You never did the Kenosha Kid." Now, if the people haven't read Gravity's Rainbow, I don't want to fucking ruin it, but it's just like it's um, it's for me the the fluidity of that sentence is explored a lot, and not in the in the in the book, but in the fandom surrounding that, um, hence why there's an auto-generated Twitter that generates like new grammatical variations. But just this, a simple nonsensical statement can have a lot of thematic weight depending on its interpretation. And I like that there's like almost like almost like a let's use the term post-structuralist. What am I fucking professor and in Boston at Harvard? Right? What am I a fucking white-collar professional? No, um, there's a, there's a sense of um, like each word denoting uh, denoting something else, and so I thought angel in real time. We we'll live in angel. My dad's an angel, real time. You know, I just all these kind of images have conjured up over this this kind of relatively banal, benign sort of phrase, and I love how it's open interpretation to me, but um, to others, but it meant something to me. So it's go farther in lightness. What the fuck is go farther? Why that word? Why not further? Why lightness? What the fuck is lightness? You know, it, I, I like I like the idea of the English language being poised for interpretation always at any given time, and a collection of you like the positions. I mean, I was using it as a reference to Leonard Cohen's various positions, but it could also mean the positions on a football pitch or something. You know, I, I think there's I think there's so much fluidity. So if I just come up with words that sound beautiful 
and they suggest something, they imply meaning, then perhaps fucking potentially something will come from it. Like there will be blood. Hmm. You know what I mean? Chunking Express. Do do you know what I'm saying? Like, like, I like like the ideas that so much of... Almost like Lewis Carroll. Yeah, I know. It's all whimsy and bullshit, but to me it makes some fucking conceptual sense. (laughs) But, um, But that's how I start everything. I feel like a title is cinematic. Uh, and it helps me derive meaning and shape an arc without having to do too much like, groundwork. You know, it's all about the big picture type stuff in the initial stages of planning a record. How, how do you feel about it? I feel like there's sort of two schools of thought with with artists being asked about their lyrics. There are some who who will dive right in and almost treat it like a diary and tell you, you know, what they were feeling, where these came from. And then there are others who, are, you know, prefer to be a little more vague and really want to leave it open to interpretation and open to, you know, people to bring their own twist to it. How do you feel about that? How do you feel about discussing uh, your, your words? Uh, I trust people to not treat my fucking words as gospel because uh, that would be stupid if you treat anything that anybody in the public eye said is totally fucking gospel that would be absurd right um, so I ask the people I, it's my shit I'll say what I want about it I respect people who fucking don't um, just straight up you know I was watching this thing with Trent Reznor who I like a lot um, he doesn't like to talk about meeting in songs he even said that it ruins it I'm sorry Trent I like ruining stuff I was saying I know Swifty doesn't like to tell I know Swifty doesn't like to mention stuff and she's obviously very talented good at her job um but I like to. I enjoy ruining it for people. I think it's important to understand context. I, I'm, I'm, I'm a fucking layman student of history, and I have a very intense desire to keep reliving my connection to place and time. Mm. And so, in order for me to do that, I do that through the medium of very mediocre indie rock music. Um, and so, the way. Do you understand what I mean? So. These, these are the ways that I like to approach the world and how I want to approach art. And I think people who want to leave it up to interpretation, that's cool. I, I, I think I think there's pretentiousness on my side because I feel like it's so my, what I have to say is so important and so meticulous that I have to share it with it. And I do understand there's probably criticism. But I would say naturally people who want to keep it in themselves, I don't, I'm not a big believer in this mystique and this mystical, spiritualized, great band, by the way, um, spiritualized fucking... Um, uh, what's the word? Hocus pocus around lyrics. Do you know what I mean they're not going to save the world? It's poetry, and it can be like anything is up into up to interpretation. Even if I tell you the truth of what it means. So I think, I think that debate doesn't really rage in my head because I just don't care. It's not really part of what consumes my thought. Do you know what I mean? I'm more concerned with whether or not I'm communicating what I want to say effectively enough, not whether or not. Does that make sense, Jordan? I feel like I'm. I feel like it, it might be a pretty harsh answer to a really reasonable question. But. No, not at all. I mean, I, I in a lot of ways, I feel like you're being, uh, you're taking self-deprecation to the level of a martial art. I should say. I, mean, I was just, we were just talking about this in another interview, man. I've got, <laughs> I've just, I've just been drawn. Uh, it's come to my attention so often now. I'm starting to fucking think that if I ever do another interview again, um, I'm going to have to be this. I'm going to have to be this cocky, cocksure, fucking self-assured kind of bloke. You know. So next time I speak to you, you'll be like. Have you been have you been smoking some really great shit? <laughs> Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to fifteen hundred dollars. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to fifteen hundred dollars back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. Twenty-one plus in President, Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call one eight hundred GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's one eight hundred GAMBLER. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. 
Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing, and of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. I, I hadn't planned on sharing this, but I guess just in, in the interest of what you just said, I, uh, I when I was uh, a, a young boy, I, I lost a parent, and this was more than 20 years ago, and just recently over Christmas... I'm so sorry to hear that, mate. Oh, no, no. I mean, dude, I'm sorry to hear Sorry, shit. No, 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 no. I, and just recently over Christmas, a, a distant family member uh, that I hadn't known got in touch with me and, and sent me uh, a tremendous gift, a box of all sorts of teenage uh, letters and diaries my mom had written and photos and stuff. And I, it kind of made me think of, of what you were writing on this album, too, because I do... How old were you when that happened? I'm sorry to hear that, man. Oh, no, oh, no. I, I was, I was favorite people in the world lost, lost um, her mum. Uh, one of my favorite people ever lost her mum. She was a little girl, so I, I feel really, yeah, strongly, um, you know, I feel really strongly for you, man. Oh no, thank you. I mean, I, I, I was twelve, and I'm, I'm thirty four now. I, I just, I, I listening to your songs and the words that that you were saying, and even just, you know, this sounds corny, but even between the lines of the lyrics too, I, it hit me in a personal way. Because I, I, I sort of know on, on a certain level what you were singing about, sort of getting to know your parent after the fact. And, you know, I mean, what's that ancient Egyptian expression? Something like to speak a man's name is restore is to restore him to eternal life, uh, which to any, you know, I've never heard that. But that is beautiful. I think I st- fucking ancient Egyptians. Top. I think I stole that from a from a from a Doors interview, by the way. So for anyone who <laughs> thinks I'm actually well read, I'm not. That's I definitely took that from Jim Morrison. But just, <laughs> the, the the journey that you went through on this record, um, it, it connected with me, even uh, you know, in ways that maybe you don't realize, and I'm sure with so many people too. I mean, at, at what point? This question's to to both of you. Do you start thinking of the audience when you're putting songs together? Uh, I mean, all these songs are fragments of a grief eternal, right? It doesn't ever leave you. And I think there's a mm. sense of this. I think there's a sense of disconnectedness I will always have with an audience, purely because my 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 job, our job, uh, is to craft things that people consume. Mm. You know, I say this in every fucking interview, but it's it's a it, being a musician is a trade. You ply your trade. We're overpaid assholes, most of us, <laughs> who who do who do something rather. Um, it's but it's it's a profession that otherwise would have inspired, um, you know, the kind of fandom that we see in the twentieth and twenty first century. Maybe the seventeenth and eighteenth, it might have been the nineteenth, might have been thing with some baroque composers. But um, we're, <laughs> we're fortunate. We're fortunate that our craft is 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 cons- you know is market speaking um, considered to be worth more than it actually is. <laughs> um, so. I think I think I think what I'm trying like Max, you're going to interrupt me with something self-effacing before I go in for the kill with something like pejorative. So maybe you go. Uh, no, I was just going to say like the entire thing is like, I mean, for for me, the, like music is just about making people um, like feel, you know, like you know, like I don't know, like uh, the umami of the umami. song, umami. like the fucking like umami. that's the job, man. Like the whole thing is like, do I listen to this when I'm listening to the mix and am I like massively affected by it? Um, Is it beautiful? Is it, is it bringing out the beauty or like the meaning in the lyrics by accident or in good ways? Is there contrast? Whatever. Yeah. I think, I think that's what I'm trying to, I think think that's what I'm, I think that's what I'm trying to gesture at. Look, it's just the job and you can't help but think about, where your table goes if you've made a table you can't help but think about like <laughs> that's a great no that's an incredible yeah but oh i wonder what this thing that i've spent fucking 
six and a half hours or six and a half weeks, or six and a half years making. I wonder where this is going to go. How the fuck are you supposed to not? So for me, it's like I, if I'm making ergonomic chairs in my basement, you know, you want to make sure that people are fucking enjoying sitting their ass on them, you know? Um, uh, even if aesthetically they're not as pleasing as you, the shit you might get down at the fucking, you know, the Ikea. Ikea. <laughs> Self-deprecation is killing me, man. <laughs> no, but it's not. It's no, but it's, it, I think there's something more reminiscent of the way that I grew up and the way they look at music, that it's a job, it's a profession, and you want to think about where it goes. And any bit of handiwork that you do is a small mark on planet Earth. You know, even the smallest piece of literature or fucking, and that's nice to think about. It's meaningless and it's bullshit, but it's still in some way um, lovely, you know. And I, I, I would like anything that anything that I have to be reminiscent and reflective of the talent that surrounds me and the four other guys in the band, and also um, to to reach people if they if they choose to be reached, you know. That's an important thing, but it's hard it's hard to balance because like I'm the kind of I'm such a fucking people pleaser, right? That if I think about what the what the peanut gallery wants, then they get nothing but peanuts, you know, and they might, and they'll never change. They'll never change to something more, more nutritious, like pears. You know what I mean? So, so I, I just have to be. I just, I just have to be realistic about about how much of myself I can give away to that thought, you know, because I'm prone to it. You know, I'm, I'm a total as Joyce Meyer. The, uh, you know who Joyce Meyer is. <laughs> Joyce White, she's like this Christian author. Preacher Shout that we out, bro. Like. Shout out. She, no, no, no. I've never read any of her shit. Bro. How many jets called, does she have, Dave? A fucking bunch of jets. Loads of jets. Bro, she's a jet happy, jet, jet happy preacher. Jet, <laughs> uh, but, but there's this thing called approval addicts that she talks about that I vaguely remember while being well drunk at a Hillsong conference when I was fucking 15. Um, yeah, but I, that was something to me. Like, being such an approval addict, I have to balance how much I think about how this will be received for me it's not necessarily like people because people will like like or dislike it it's more like I, I think I think growing up I was I was really um, overly what's the word overly um, overly like uh, reverent to critical appraisal of my work not realising that critics are also people um, who have their own feelings, thoughts, biases, um, and they come and go with the times as well. And it was also doing a disservice to the to the to the role of the music critic and the music writer, um, as a, you know, I treated them as you know somehow different, which I don't think they would appreciate because I think it's an important role in in culture to be a writer or a critic or someone who appraises things. I think that is there is some importance that. Um, uh, but that was like a struggle that I had for fucking years, you know. All I wanted was them fucking five stars, ten out of ten, all that bullshit. And um, it's not bullshit uh, when it matters, but I think when I think about that, that's when I, I lose my way a little bit. Mm. Do you know what I mean? And I think, and I think most critics that I know and that I'm tight with don't place a massive emphasis on their job as being the be-all and end-all, but they see it as part of an unfolding conversation. And for me... Instead of being terrified of that conversation, I just sort of let it go, and just I'm I, I'm happy to allow it um, to continue on, and and I think that's been the biggest change in me is like the sense that um, that uh, any kind of approval outside of what goes on in here and what goes on in the room with those four other guys, um, here being myself, my soul, um, and what goes on in the room with four other guys, that's possibly more important. Um, not much more, but you know that's what kind of where I need to gauge, you know. And um, you know, there's I think that, I think it's not about drowning out noise because I don't necessarily believe, for example, that constructive criticism or engagement or you know discussion is 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 bad. I think it's actually really good. It's more about just choosing how and when I allow that stuff into my orbit. Does that make sense? And that that affects my relationship with the music more than anything. Um, or at least it used to. And, you know, now having known many people in music writing and, and you know, I've, I've realized how completely immature and wrong I was to, to fetishize it. So, do you know what I mean? What did success look like to you when you were first starting out as a band? 
Hearing you say all this, now I'm curious. Mate, enough money for cigs. <laughs> hey, I mean, yeah. So, uh, uh, like, like chucking a sickie from work, chucking a sickie from work, and then not having to worry about like whether or not I go back. Now, what's yours, mate? I think I don't know. I think we. Um, I think I, I don't know. I think yours are more complicated. Uh, your answer, mine was kind of just. Um, oh shit! Like here's an opportunity to be in a, a, an actual band that does this and tours and see see a fair bit of um, the Western world, not as much of the rest of it as we work, as we want, but, you know, see a fair bit of all that, um, play some fucking rad venues. Um, I wanted to take it as far as I could, to be honest. Um, I really believed in it. I still do. Um, that's why I'm doing it. Um, yeah, it was like, there's an awful I, lot I, of past tense in there, Maxi Boy. No, 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 but I do think. <laughs> what about our think, dream, man? What about our fucking I, dream? I do think, I do think, um, no, I still have that like, like that ambition, but I do think, yeah, you kind of, um, yeah, when I say, when I talk about like people being the gig, like I'm not sort of saying it and um, make everyone like it or certainly not make critics like it, um, even though it's cool when they do. Um, it's It's more about like, the ideal is like creating something beautiful that really affects us. And like, and I, and I think inspires us. Like we don't, I, I don't think gang of views has ever tried. Is it's sort of ever made an album that, you know, at the time we didn't feel some sense. I mean, Dave might say so, but I certainly at the time always felt like we were doing something really fucking special. And I really loved the songs and I loved performing them and I still do, you know? So for me, it's like, yeah, I'm like, it's a weird kind. It's like a mature ambition now. You know, when you're like yeah. 20, it's like if we're not doing Madison Square Garden in two years, then like <laughs> the world's the world's <laughs> fucked. And then, and then sure. you realize, like, oh, right, like, you're you're five years in, and you're like, I just drove 15 hours to like play to 10 people in Salt Lake City or something. And you're like, fuck, Mate, man, like you, are not, you, you have Maxie, to have you, a why that's bigger than Maxie, that shit, you know. Max, you have not lived until you played Kilby Court. I loved that show. That was one of my fucking Kill, favorite Kill, moments. Kill we, me caught, man. That was mate, awesome. I loved it. I loved it. I fucking loved it with their irony. And it's like some, just the sweetest people turned out. And it's safe to assume that a couple of them are Mormons and they didn't drink. Um, I think Kill we played just seven people. I, I it was, a, seven but people. it was one of my favorite, it was one of my favorite, favorite, favorite times. Like for me, right? Like the idea of success is pure. Like do I have enough money to keep fucking lights on to give my wife a bed to sleep in and my dog enough medicine? <laughs> like that's the success thing all the other stuff is cool but playing Kilby Court felt so surreal it's in, it's, in, it's in, for me it's engaging these totally surreal environments now like things that I things that help me appreciate people for who they are when they come to the show seven fucking people no booze in a shed that shed that, <laughs> our, that our tour manager like, didn't watch the show that's my tour manager yeah like he sat and just watched he watched the NBA playoffs he's like fuck this he's amazing it was guy. the um, it was the guy. It was LeBron three one, yeah. Fuck, that was awesome. Yeah. Um, like, and, yeah. yeah, but we was playing, and, all, and I reckon that most people stay home and watch the game. But that's that's <laughs> like a good that's a good that's a good picture for me of what success looks like. It's just having enough in my world to be able to do that, you know. But it, um, but that would be the same with any job. I, yeah. I don't necessarily attach too much financial, uh, like too much financial motivation or too much personal motivation to my job because it's a vocation. Um, and whether like I could just as easy have easily not have had a break as a lead singer. Do you know what I mean? I could be still on unemployment. You know, I could still uh, like what we do is completely lucky. So tying it in with some level of some, some, some kind of abstract, some abstraction, like success doesn't really make sense to me. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you're not you're not the one if you're in a band. You know what I mean? Like, you're not yeah. fucking Neo. Like, yeah, you're not you're not like you're not like, cho- you're not like, like <laughs> it looks like a chosen fucking person. But it's so weird that we have a perception that as soon as you're in a band, you're a total bastion of moral superiority and cleanliness, and everything about you is fucking like spot on, and you just have all the right opinions and shit. Like, fucking, well, like we was kids. We were we were was was were we was we was we were we were kids, right? You know, I was like barely fucking 19, 18 or something, which now seems that you're supposed to be so grown up by that point. I fucking wasn't. Um, so you, 
you go into these things with kind of low expectations but big dreams and aspirations and you try to achieve them. You're not a fully formed person um, at all. And I think that was what, yeah, that's kind of how I would, what do you reckon, Max? Back me up. Billions yeah, there's, no, there's been a lot of, um, <laughs> we're, we're a band that's had like a lot of, like a lot of, um, we're a very lucky band. Like I said, there's, there's people better than us who aren't doing this, you know. Um, yeah. but there's, there's definitely been times where like we've been, it, it's felt like we're that close to being like, like the fucking killers or something. Or like, or like usually cause someone's saying bullshit to you, you know, I'm, I'm not saying recently, I'm saying over the, over the years. And then like, yeah. And then it's just like, you just get absolutely fucked. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you're like, oh, we've really made it. You're like, we've done it. And then it's just like. And then, like the next oh, yeah. six months, you're just like sleeping on floors or something. I like, it's just, just, I love that about music. It's like such a you have to you have to have something honestly, beyond it that's like not had, obsessing about the success, totally. or you you well, just go nuts. You, 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 you like a shark and you just dive and start swimming. We we had like a number five album in Australia <laughs> at some one point, and I was sleeping on someone's office floor, <laughs> off a bed on someone's office. Do you know what I mean? Like like I had like. The way that you relate to, because in Australia, like we had no idea we'd blown up until we'd moved. Like I'm fucking not shitting you. Like we weren't like a big band. We we were a touring band, but like we weren't like, you know, we weren't this. Um, we weren't what we are now. We weren't even close to it. Well, I had no fucking clue. Then we go back to Australia and do all these shows and we're playing these fucking huge. That that was really how it was. We did some stuff. We played some festival slots, but they're all during the day. Like we didn't have the same the same vibe. Yeah, I mean, we just thought we were another middling, middling kind of indie rock band amidst um, a sea of decent ones. Yeah, you know I mean, and and so so when that one, no, so that one changed. So when that whole perception changes, it only happens after the fact. And by this time, like, gone back to Australia, my poor wife, who had literally no fucking clue about how how successful we'd become in Australia, because I fucking barely knew. I didn't fucking know that. Um, she comes, and then you witness it. It's like, oh, I see. Okay, wild. Yeah. Was that gratifying for you? Was that terrifying for you? Was that confusing for you? Not particularly because I think we left Australia because the groundswell of fame and bullshit started to occur a little bit to me. Mm. Um, but you just think that, oh, this is just because you're in a band that plays indie rock music in a country of 26 million people. Um, it was starting... For me to get overwhelming um, about positing where this would lead, do you know what I mean? Like it was, it was more about I, we left because of you know I, I I began to fear like what that would look like for my life um, in a lot of ways. Not just that was the only reason. That was a big thing for me personally in my motivation. But um, it was a gratifying like I mean it's gratifying if people like me. I enjoy that. I want to be liked by people. So people like my music. If my bandmates like me, gentlemen, you know I mean? or if people just at least don't fucking totally despise me, then great, you know. And that was what the band. That was what when Go Father and Lightness became like kind of a thing in Australia. It was that was really nice because it felt like you know it felt like all the lies I'd been telling telling myself um, about you know. That I'm a worthless sack of shit or never amount to anything would just those. They were lies. It was gratification gratifying in that sense, but all this stuff that came along with it was a bit tricky for me personally. What do you reckon, Maxie? I we have such different experiences. That's the weird thing. Mm. It's like you're in a band you're in the same band. We've done the we've literally run a business together basically mm. for ten years. Like lived together 11, 11 for years, tons yeah. of it, eleven years. But like, yeah, so I can yeah, I don't really experience that shit, man. Like, unless I'm literally on stage, I, I can watch, like, our support act if we're playing, like, an arena and um, no one will come up. Like, I'm literally, like, I can have a beer. I get, like, ID'd by the fucking security guard. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's like, and it's like I, I wish that Dave could, like, switch out and, like, not have to deal with all that shit. But he, um, unfortunately, he's the it's sexy front man. So it's, uh, oh, well. it's part of the it's part of the gig. Let's not, but uh, let's not blow too much smoke up me. No, no, no but it's, it's, it's a, I'm just saying it's a funny like <laughs> it's so it's so hard. I almost can't weigh in. Like I've well, watched no, it from like I've watched it from like a yeah from like a like a band perspective. I'm like fuck yeah, yeah like there's like ten thousand kids at our gig. 
oh my god like, it's, it's, it's let's, honestly let's, like, I love this you know that's all I think yeah it's not the. It's yeah. not like these this absurd level of invasiveness. Like that's not what I'm talking about. I, I'm just talking about for the kind of person I am. Like I love people and I want to be around people and hug them mm. and say thank you. It's just that too many. I feel like I'm disappointing everybody. Does that make sense? It's it's not like yeah, I'm you wear it because, a lot. But yeah, because fucking carrot top could walk around. And I'm not using him as a as a as a. As a I'm not using him as like a fucking as an easy target because like people like carrot top. But someone who he's not. Like super popular in Australia, he could walk past me in Australia, and more people would be interested in character. Do you know what I mean? Like, like that's the extent. But even that extent for me is difficult. You know what I mean? It, it doesn't really go well with the with the fucking you know the lovable loser bullshit thing that I that I've been promoting to everybody um, by the press in order to um, prey on people's sympathies so that I can get their money. Um, it's, <laughs> It's um no, it's it's not it's not it's not the whole lovable loser, beautiful loser fatalism as Robert Criscale would say about Bruce Springsteen. Um, it's not that. It's 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 not that shit. It's just a genuine discomfort with with what that looks like for me. I I, I have a real hard time with it. I wish I didn't. I wish I was more like into it. You know, like you see fucking like football players here in the UK. Like I just saw a video of a particular player <laughs> from a particular club saying, fuck this particular club. And I'm like, imagine having the confidence to say, fuck you to your employer like that when they're paying you millions and millions of years. <laughs> but, and I just, I don't know, man. I, I don't have the confidence to be that, the self-belief, I guess, to be like that version, uh, that be, to be that kind of person. Do you know what I mean, Max and, uh, and Jordan? Yeah, because there's, there's different kinds of gigs, man. Like we're lucky that we, yeah. we also, you know, we still get to meet fans and shit at some in some places we play you know and so we'll you know there'll be you know 500 kids in a club or something and you can get you can kind of like go out and fucking have a beer and it's not that weird you know max says kids like 18 year olds like our music and i'm not sure if they do oh max yeah no, no sorry, sorry when max says kids, kids yeah when max says kids like usually the people who come to our shows are like Typically between the age of twenty five to sixty, and that, that I don't mean that. Like, Max is but, no, 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 but no, no, people. No, but I think you, I think you're being overly generous to us because like <laughs> the kids are they're not listening to our shit. I'm telling you, like, yeah, I've been on TikTok uh, exactly once, and they are not listening to our shit. Our TikTok needs some serious work. Um, yeah, man, needs some yeah. fucking. It needs the Marie Kondo treatment. Does this spark joy? No. <laughs> <laughs> does does no, this existing spark joy? Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet that's right up to $1,500 again sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in Ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park that's 1-800-GAMBLER Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender. When you are able to meet with these fans, though, I mean, is there anything that you can hear from them that makes you think, you know, the days of sleeping on the couch and driving, you know, a couple hundred miles to play 15 people and all the all that was worth it? Is there one thing you can hear from those folks 
that really just, just having just having those experiences, Jordan, fucking worth it. Being yeah, in a rock band is, is being a rock band isn't doom and gloom like a representative, like a representative. Like it's just not. So much of it is just laughter and fucking joy and and youthfulness and um, you know drinking and going to see different beautiful buildings across Europe and like so much of it is that so when I, if someone comes to a show I'm grateful do you understand like I don't have to meet the motherfucker they could they could like someone actually coming is important do you know what I mean they've taken the time they've they've done what I did as a kid right I listened to something I loved it and I went to go see it like they've done what I did you know that that for me is um, sorry Max keep talking over you brother but that for me Bro, is it's so um, fun it's like I said, it's an indictment against all the bad stuff I told myself that I was. And it's confirmation that maybe my therapist and Max and the boys and my wife and my dad are probably <laughs> right about me. That I'm not so bad. You know, it's it's confirmation of that fact. I like I like I like existing in that space. So when someone comes up and said, Hey, great show, man, fucking great audience member. Great job being an audience member. If I could, you know. And so it's so weird to be like, uh, but I'm genuinely overwhelmed and filled with like love for anybody who wants to see us play. You know, even if they're just there to see Donnie, which I'm the same, you know. Or they're there because they're massive Noah and the Whale fans and they love Tommy, which I do also. Oh, Tom, Tom Stan's my favorite thing, man. Like, Tom Stan's, mate. There's a whole fucking. Oh, bro, there's, there's, a sub, there's, there's, there's a Tom Hobden adoration subcommittee meeting Tumblr. somewhere deep down. I, yeah, on Tumblr. No, but in the bowels of what the Pentagon, they've got a special fucking CIA-constructed facility all dedicated <laughs> to mining for pictures of fucking Tom when he was in Noah in the Whale. Gorgeous, gorgeous person. Love him. Well, I I could talk to you all day. I, I, I want to especially <laughs> say again, I this album is absolutely incredible and it, it, it touched me deeply and I thank you for that from on a personal level. I guess my my last question to you, and I, I've got three pages of questions and I'm pulling one out of thin air right now that I, I'm making up on the spot. You, you invoked uh, Bruce a moment ago. I was watching recently, I don't even remember what it was. He was doing some Q&A uh, some audience Q&A and somebody stood up in the audience and said, yeah, Bruce, you know, I've been listening to you for years and you've always been so generous with your 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 lyrics and, and song meetings and, and just your, your emotions. You really seem to wear your heart on your sleeve. I feel like I know you. Do I? And it was just such an amazing question. And I wish I could remember what Bruce said, but I guess I kind of wanted to put the same question to, to you both. Uh, with you know your, your music, you're so generous with everything that you do, everything that you put out there. Do we fans who know your music, are we uh, sort of allowed to feel like we know you in a way? Or is, that, are those, is there a, a, a division between uh, you know, on stage and off stage? Uh, to know Max is to love and adore Max, and anyone who doesn't love Max doesn't know Max. That's what I think about that. Uh, <laughs> anyway, anyone, anyone, anyone stupid, anyone stupid, delusional, mean, or narcissistic enough not to love Max, which is why. Um, <laughs> second, rule, um, second, d- does that Max? You, you answer that for me then. I think. Um, I think. <laughs> I think Dave's an extremely. Um, you hate this word, but authentic person. Convoluted. That, like, convoluted person. Uh, no, no, no. I think, so I think there's no, there's no, depressing. Um, there's no, no, like, like, fuck off, man. Like, Abuse. you're, like, you're literally, like, a beautiful, like, super compelling, wonderful human being. And I think, so, people see, yeah, I reckon if people see Dave perform and the, the way he tries to reach everybody. Dave sees everyone. Dave's a guy who like sees the dude in the corner of the room. No one's talking to and talks to him. So I feel like if you get that from, if you get that from the gig, like you feel like you're connected to then that. Yeah. That's knowing Dave. And we're also pretty fucking, you know, basic Bogan dudes. Like we're not, um, I feel like well, Tom's were with Tom, that, Tom and Tom Tom's and pretty, are. Yeah, but like Tom, if you were in the room Tom's with us, man, it, we this would have just happened if you were in the green room. The same conversation would have happened. Like, there's no like, yeah. there's nothing performative, um, really. I don't think about. I mean, honestly, people probably wish there was more of it. Like we, that's why we suck at social media, man, because we, we <laughs> can't. Um, I'm actually I don't, I don't, Dave I don't as have... a real friend, you know, and Dave does something <laughs> funny. I don't think. Oh shit! I'd be out the fucking TikTok like. 
we, we just don't film each other. So like, there's just nothing funny ever, you know, but we're actually really funny. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we're actually really sort of interesting guys, but there's just no, um, <laughs> no, there's I, just I, no I think, like desire to I think film it or whatever. What, what, one of the, one of my biggest fears when it, when it came to writing, writing music is that people would look at me as I wasn't, you know, and, and I resent, Idol and I resent idol and hero worship. I resent people who look at people in my position like we're gods. We're fucking absolutely not. Uh, it's I, I find it repulsive the idea that somehow I'd be treated any differently. Um, and I think because of that, there's a sense of um, candid and candor in the music. Maybe like I, I've given it. I've given it my own kind of brogue the way I would phrase things. And maybe not in an Australian accent because I can't pull it off. Courtney Barnett can. Um, uh, but yeah, my brogues in there, like my thoughts, my feelings about shit. I don't like the state, so that that's in there. <laughs> it's a pretty big part of who I'm, who I'm what I am. Uh, but I'm not one of them Gadsden flag types, or maybe I am. Who knows? It's America. You can be anything you want. Um, I've been, I've just been a dick. I've been a dick. Sorry, a little bit of political humor there for you. Um. I know how you Americans love politics, but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> but um, I, I think, man, this is just a good question. But do you know me? Like, I'd like to think so. You know, but you can't. If I guess if there's a real me who's more intolerable and irreverent than I am, even in this fucking context. So maybe if you get to know that person and you still like my music, then Jesus Christ, you better fucking Nobel Peace Prize. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Inside the Studio, a production of iHeartRadio. For more episodes of Inside the Studio or other fantastic shows, check out the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Are you looking for the perfect move-in ready home this spring season? Now's the time to buy at Fisher Homes. For a limited time only, enjoy below market interest rates starting at 5.375% APR, 6.139% APR. With these exclusive lower rates, you can save hundreds on a move-in ready home and start enjoying the benefits of home ownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with one of our new home specialists at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Financing provided by Victory Mortgage, LLC, NMLS 461249, Equal Housing Lender.